You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. It's good to see you guys. I want to say first again, thank you so much for being here tonight. We want this place to be a place where you feel comfortable, um, questions that you need answered, things that you're diving into, whether you've been, again, walking with Jesus for a long time or just shortly. We want to be available to serve you and to love you well in this season. This is year number 11 for us. I don't know if we had, if we're able to find a pick. There's my beautiful family. I'm not in the picture because I just thought this family looked beautiful and they would, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that's my wife, Michelle. Um, again, she does so much for Chi Alpha, more than anyone will ever know. Micah, who's actually here with me tonight, he's 11. Probably met him already because he, uh, he is unbelievably social and can't come to a Chi Alpha house without talking to every college student in the room. Ethan is the next born, so he's eight. And then Anna down to the right uh, and Ava. And um, that's, that's the crew. We're at a football school, right? Everybody knows that? Hokey football. And, and we love hokey football. Come on. But there is one sport that I will say in my world tops American football. And let me, let me hold on, hold on. I know, I know, I know. That you're like, what is that? It is the game that we call here in the States soccer, and they call everywhere else football. And here's why I say that. Okay, don't be a hater. There's some haters in the room. Don't be a hater. Here's the reason. It's universal. It's a universal language. And, and one of the things that I got to do this summer that was so sweet was I was able to take my 11-year-old to Africa. And we went on a missions trip, and, and it was awesome. It was an awesome time. But what I loved about it was that it was the game of soccer that connected us so deeply to the people. And I remember just them coming, the kids in the, in the town that we were in, coming to knock on the doors. Micah there, is Micah there, to just get him out to the, to the dirt field to knock it around. In fact, he was the reason we were able to actually have access to a very closed country um, to share the gospel. I think we got to share the gospel very specifically with five people. Three of them were directly linked because of, of Micah. And, and so it was just a joy and an honor to do that. Chi Alpha loves missions. Um, and so if you decide that this is going to be your family away from home, we, uh, we really believe in this. We really believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody can come to the Father except through him. And because we believe that, we believe that everybody has the right to know that there's a God who loves them and a God who died for them and rose again three days later. This is why we're here. This is, this is why this community is here at Virginia Tech, because I believe that there are people on this campus that desperately need to know the love of God, because hope, peace, joy, love, these things that are found in Jesus and Jesus alone will never go out of style, right? They will never be irrelevant in our culture. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. God, what a privilege it is. God, to come together and have the freedom to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To have the freedom to open your word and to hear from you, God. God, we thank you that you are alive. 
and that you're here to change lives. God, that you're here to speak directly to us as a community and directly to us as an individual. And so, Lord, we just say, God, prepare our hearts for what you want to say tonight. God, prepare our hearts for what you want to do, God. Lord, we've not only come, God, to hear from you, we've come to be transformed by you. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. God, would you speak to us? Would you transform our life that we would never be the same from this night forward because of who you are and what you do? In Jesus' name, amen. In 1960, MIT meteorologist Edward Lorenz made an accidental discovery. While attempting to develop a computer program to simulate and forecast weather conditions, on that day of the discovery, Lorenz was in a hurry. Instead of entering .506127, the number he had used in an earlier trial, he rounded to the nearest thousandth, or .506. He figured that a change of less than one one-thousandth would be inconsequential. He left the lab, and when he returned, he found the radical change in the difference between the original number and the rounded number was the equivalent of the puff of wind created by a butterfly's wing. He concluded that a minor event like the flapping of a butterfly's wing could conceivably alter wind current sufficiently to change weather conditions thousands of miles away. This is now called the butterfly effect. On October 31st, 1983, Korean Airlines Flight 007 departed from Anchorage, Alaska, for a direct flight to Seoul, South Korea. Unknown to the crew, the airplane's flight navigation system contained a one and a half degree routing error. During the first few hundred miles, the error was undetectable, but eventually, this flight penetrated Soviet airspace and was shot down by Soviet, Soviet fighter jets. All 269 passengers lost their lives. So what's the point of these two stories? The tiny difference in input can quickly become overwhelmingly difference in output. This is not only true in science and aviation, but it's true in life as well. You see, one choice, one choice that we make in life can change our entire life. In fact, I would argue that it can change your eternal destination. Just one choice. And there will be times in your life where you stand at a place and there are multiple choices. There are multiple paths in which you can take. These places in life are what I call crossroads. And if you're a freshman or a returning student, Today, you are at a crossroads because I believe it's the college years of your life that really are, puts you in this place of the crossroads. There are times when there are new seasons in our life, and honestly, every semester is a new season, right? Every semester, we have the opportunity to start well. And, and in this season of the crossroads in college, it is the time in your life where the trajectory of your life is going to be established, the way you're heading. You get to decide what kind of adult you're going to be in these years of your life, where you're headed, what you want to do with life, what you want to accomplish. All of that happens here in this season. Your college years are a season of crossroads, and the butterfly effect of these years will be huge. I remember a time in my life 
when I really wanted to start well. And it was actually as I sat in the very same seat that you sit in today. You see, when I went off to college, I went off to play, and I got to play soccer in, at the university that I went to. And I wanted to, I wanted to start well. I wanted to start well. I wanted to start well. I wanted to make sure, because, you know, in college, I always heard, you I mean, you're not guaranteed a spot on the team. You know what I'm saying? Anybody can come in and take it. So I wanted to fight for that. So I, you know, I wanted to start well there. I wanted to start well with my teammates. I wanted to be able to build relationships with my teammates and really fit into that. I also wanted to do well in the classroom only because you can't play sports if you don't do well in the classroom, you know? So that was my motivation. There was not one giggle in that moment. But anyway, and so there I was heading into my, my, my college experience. Let me just tell you something, and let me back up and tell you this about my life. Although I grew up in the church, I didn't know Jesus. You see, my God was the game of soccer. And so there were, very, there were things that I would not touch because I was on a trajectory to play at a college level, and I believe that if I touched alcohol, if I messed around with drugs, and I had sex, that that could ruin my trip to play at the next level. And so I refused to touch those things again, not because I feared God, not because I loved God, but because I wanted to play this game so badly. So when I got off to college, I mean, that, that summer, I trained like you wouldn't believe. I did my own three-a-days. Yes, I was crazy. I did my own three-a-days. I literally ran my own training camp. When they, they gave me the packet on what I needed to do, I did it to the T because I was not going to not make this team. You know, I worked really hard for this. I got to college, and I, I you know, made the team, and very quickly after, I, I remember it so clearly. We were gathered in the locker room, and we were finished with the preseason training camp, three a days for two weeks. It was uh, close to awful, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, even though I was in the best shape of my life, it was hard, one of the hardest things I've ever accomplished. And so, what do you do in college when you don't fear the Lord and you don't live for, for Him? After you want to go do something. So, so they're sitting around in the locker room talking about that we're going to go out. And because I didn't want to be left out, I said, I'm in. Now, you remember, I've never touched alcohol, drugs, or this stuff. But in this moment, I was like, I need to be one of the guys. I need to be one of the guys. And so that decision, what I didn't know in that moment, that that one little decision was going to take me down a road farther than I wanted to go, and it was going to keep me longer than I want to stay, and it was, going to make me, it was going to cost me more than I wanted to pay, because no one tells you that. No one tells you how alcohol and drugs and sex can begin to, to get a, like a noose around your neck, and you can't get free, and it was one decision in that moment that really began to set the trajectory of my college experience. It was really something that I had no idea what I was getting into and how that one decision was going to impact me so deeply. You know, to be honest, <clears throat> when we step out of the covering of our home, of our parents, there are so many opportunities. That's where you're at tonight. There are so many opportunities around every corner, through every door, everything. There are things here on this campus that are just waiting for you to, to make the decision to say yes to that. 
But let me tell you something. The, the butterfly effect, the decisions you make can change the trajectory of your life. The ramifications will be huge. And so what will it take in this season of your life as you're standing at the crossroads, what will it take to, to do this well? To start well as you find yourself at the crossroads. That's why I love our passage tonight because we're going to find someone who is at a very similar spot that we all are in this moment of our life. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. And while you're turning there, let me set the stage for you a little bit, okay? So this is going to be a new era in the life of Israel. You see, for 430 years, they were held captive by Egypt, right? They were held captive, and they were made slaves. And so for 430 years, this was the life they knew. And then one day, God spoke to a man named Moses, and he sent him to be the deliverer, to help them be set free from their captivity. And what happens is Moses, although he has this hard hardship, and, and he walks with this thing with God, and he goes in, but he finally becomes obedient. God sends Aaron to help him, and they go into Egypt. And, and they, you know the plagues. There's these 10 plagues that take place because Pharaoh doesn't want to let the people go. And think about it. I mean, all of his labor would be gone. They'd have to do it themselves. So he doesn't want this. So he fights for this. Eventually, after the last plague, he finally sends them away. And Moses leads them out of captivity and into the wilderness into the wilderness, where for 40 years, and there's a lot that happens in there, but just for our time tonight, for 40 years, Moses is the only leader they know. He's the one that led them. He's the one that advises them. He's the one that helps them when they don't know what to do. This is their leader. This is the one that speaks to God, the one who actually set them free, you know? Like, this is the one. Like, what are we going to do when he's no longer there? This is where they're at. It's the end of an error and the beginning of a new one. They find themselves at the crossroads. And the question becomes, will they follow God now that Moses is dead? Or will they decide to go in a different direction? And again, many of us are at that place right now. Some of us are in that moment where you grew up going to church your whole life. And maybe you were like me. You went to church, but you didn't know Jesus, like personally, intimately interact with him. You just went because that's what your parents did. Or many, many, maybe there's some people in this room, man, you were active. You really love Jesus. And yet you still find yourself here in this place. And you're really beginning to wonder in, in the sea of 30,000 people, am I going to go the way of the culture, the current of the culture, or will I take a stand for Jesus in this moment? Will I follow Jesus even if I am the minority? Or maybe there's some of us here who you didn't, you didn't know there's a God that loves you. Maybe you, you didn't even hear of Jesus until maybe you came to a couple events that we hosted. Friends, all of us have a decision to make, whether we've made it before, but we're here again at a season, and we have a choice to make. Will we follow Jesus, or will we be swept away by the current of the culture? Before Moses died in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he very clearly brings to light that Israel is coming to a crossroads. Not only are they entering into a new era and their lives are getting ready to enter into the long-awaited promised land, 
He tells them that their experience in that land is directly affected by how they choose to live their lives in that land. So let me just say this. There's some of you that you could not wait to move into that dorm room. This is the long-awaited season of college, you know? Yet Moses says it'll be directly impacted by the way you live your life in that land. It says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, blessing and cursing. Oh, that you would choose life. He is saying, you're coming to a crossroads, and the butterfly effect of the direction you choose to go in will be huge. When you stand at the crossroads, we don't know in minute detail what's at the end of the roads, but we do know that one of those roads will lead to God and to life, and the other will not. The other will not. So which road will you choose? So let's read what the Bible says in Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I have promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country, and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors and give them. Be strong and very courageous Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. These first few verses we see, again, Israel is at a crossroads. Moses is dead. This is stating the reality that you're stepping into a new era, that the former leader is gone. And what has he say to Joshua that is so reassuring in this moment that I am with you as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. Again, assuring that he's not changed. He's not changed. I will not leave you or forsake you. You know, in the scripture, when God says he will be with you, it is not referring to his omnipresence, but as Wayne Grudem, a world-class theologian says, it is speaking of his presence to bless. So Joshua, as you stand at the crossroads, I am with you. I am here to bless you. This is what you have to love about the Christian God, that he is a personal God. You were made for relationship with him, that he will be with you. This is the promise of our God. 
that he made a way through Jesus Christ who died on a cross and rose three days later. He made a way for sinners to be forgiven and to be covered by what Christ did on the cross so that we could enter into this relationship with God, that we could step foot in the presence of God. Perhaps maybe some of us have felt and experienced the presence of God in this place tonight. It's because Jesus has given us access to that. By the way, the law or the Ten Commandments, when they were given to the Israelites, they were given out of a place of relationship, right? We've got to remember that this God is a God of relationship. He longs for all of us and all of the students at Virginia Tech to know him, and he doesn't want heaven without you. And so he paid the price. The Bible tells us, right, that the wages of sin is death, that this is what we earn from sin. We earn death. But Jesus, in Jesus, is eternal life, that if we would believe in him and call on his name and accept what he's done on the cross, we get to be with him forever. The promise of eternal life, it's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. This is the God who reconciles us. Jesus destroyed the barrier between sinful man and a holy God. And that is extended to all of us here today. The truth of it is, is again, the difference, the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion is that this God is a God who loves you. This is a God who is just. This is a God who is holy, and he wants to do life with you. So he let his son die in our place just for that reason. Come on. And so one thing that I've learned from my own experience at the crossroads is that I look at this story of God saying, Joshua, as you stand at the crossroads, know that I'm with you, that God is, is often present at the crossroads in ways that perhaps maybe we don't notice at first, but all of a sudden we start to discover that this God, because he's a God of relationship, because he's a God that wants us to be with him, because he's a God that actually wants us to succeed in this faith walk, in this journey, because there's this God who desires us to be with him and have this relationship with him. He's rooting for us. And at this new era, he says, I'm still God. I'm still relevant in this moment. He wants us to understand that. And God God is very active in these seasons as we stand at the crossroads and you're wondering, should I go this way or that way? And, and let, me, let me just say this. I believe that some of you have already experienced God being ever present in that moment at the crossroads because your RA perhaps is sitting in the row with you. That God had already made that happen, right? In his sovereignty, he set that up. Perhaps maybe some of you are sitting here because you saw a literal sign saying there's some free watermelon. And you're like, free watermelon? Sure, I'm a college student. Why pay when I can get something for free, right? Or maybe a s'mores night or something in a mug, and all of a sudden these signs, you're like, whoa, I'm just going to go to this social gathering. And while you're at this social gathering, God shows up on the scene. Because it's more than just a social gathering. It's about a God who wants you to continue to pursue him. He's after you. He's after you. The Bible tells us this. Look, Jesus, before he was man, he was in heaven. And he wrapped himself in flesh and came to this earth as a human because we're human. He came to seek and to save the lost. He goes after the one. He loves you. Show me a God 
other than Jesus that laid down his life so that you can have yours? Who would pursue you higher than any mountain, lower than any valley, in the darkest place of your life, Jesus came and will meet you there. And he will continue to do that as you walk with him. This is the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Will you recognize that God is with us? And will you recognize that he's still relevant for our life today? He will always be relevant. See, here's the difference. There's a culture and a current of a culture that says God is irrelevant. But God is so relevant because he's the God that sets the captives free. He's the God that brings hope. He's the God that loves humanity. He's the only one that can change lives. He's the only one that can set people free. This is who he is. So as you read on in verse 6 through 9, we hear the phrase repeated three to four times in the verses. When we hear repetition in the Bible, we need to pay special attention. God is telling Joshua that he will need to be strong and courageous in verse 6. Then, he, in, then we see be strong and very courageous in verse 7. Be strong and courageous in verse 9. God is saying, as you step into this new season, I will be with you. But Joshua, listen here. You will need to be strong and courageous because there will be fortified cities that you will need to trust me to take down, such as Jericho, right? There will be, as you step into this promised land, though I promised you, you You will need to have this land. You will need to be strong and courageous as we face the people that live in the land. Listen, as you step foot on this campus, in order to do this, you need to be strong and courageous because you will have to stand against popular opinion. You will have to make a stand and be strong and courageous not to go with the majority. You will have to be strong and courageous that when everybody else is doing it, you continue to say, that's not the way I live my life. You'll have to be strong and courageous to swim against the current of the culture. If you're not strong and courageous, you will drift. You will drift. You'll be taken with the current of the culture because it's strong. It's strong. And so let's look at our passage and discover a couple keys of being strong and courageous, a couple keys to succeeding at the crossroads. Is that cool? The first key is that we must eat often. Look what he says. In, in between this, be strong and courageous, we hear it three times. We see that God says, basically, right, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Let me ask you a question. When you think about our 24-hour period of time, right, called a day, what else is there besides day and night? I mean, day pretty much covers it all, right? Morning, afternoon, and then you have night. He's saying, listen, in order to be strong and courageous, I want you to be somebody who chews and meditates on the word. Meditate on the word. Think about these things. Let them, let them begin to stir and, and ruminate in, in, your, in your life and begin to germinate and, and take deep root in your heart that you would be people of the word, that you would not just read it in the morning, but that you would meditate on it throughout the day, that this is critical for, for us, that we must eat often. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. I think it's also interesting. There's a couple guys in the, in the room that are slightly larger than I, and they're uh, Caleb and Brayden. 
These guys are massive men <laughs> and uh, bodybuilders. And you will ask them, how, do, how can you put so much muscle on your arm? Right? How is that possible? And it's because they lift weights, but it's not just because they lift weights. It's because they eat often. In fact, when I talk to these guys, <laughs> I'm just being honest, right? You got to eat a lot of calories. And the truth of the matter is, is that actually when you talk to him, I, I've had moments with Brayton, he's like, actually one of the hardest things is to keep on eating. Like, think about that. It, it's easier to just go to the gym and not eat the amount of food you need to eat to put on the mass. Look, it's a whole lot easier for you to just come into this room, friends, week after week after week, and, and, and check the box. But this is not the relationship that Christ died for. Christ didn't die for you to come into his presence once a week. Actually, he tore the veil. The Bible says the veil was torn. This is the place where a high priest can go once a year into the holy presence of God that was called the, the most holy place, right? This was, this was one person once a year that could go beyond the veil after making sacrifice after sacrifice. The truth of the matter is when Jesus died on a cross, he tore the veil giving us free access to the presence of a holy God. And so why would we only step into the presence in a, in a church gathering, if you will, in a Chi Alpha service? No, God died so that you can have this relationship and that you can get to his presence all the time. We've, we need to see a, a people in the land that fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with knowing about Jesus and learning about Jesus and reading the word that we would ask God, would you give us a hunger for the word of God? Because the truth of the matter is if you want to be strong and courageous, you better have something that anchors you in the midst of the current that you will not take a step backwards, but you will stay grounded in this moment in the truth of Scripture. This is why we need to be men and women of the Word of God because it's the truth that anchors us that when we don't understand or our heart feels like giving up or our heart feels like being one that fits in and goes with the current because it would be so much easier. Where are you going to be anchored? You've got to be men and women that are anchored in the word of God. We've got to do this. This has got to be something that you, that you take hold of. Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Listen, we're given the word of scripture. God breathe. We have it. Then you find that Jesus, when, he, when the disciples ask him to teach them how to pray, you know what he, he says? Give us this day our daily bread. Because he understands this, that we need the word of God to anchor us in this place. That in this journey, you'll have time after time after time where maybe you don't know exactly what's going on or how to handle the situation. You must base that moment on the word of God and on scripture and on the truth. You can't let popular opinion take you one direction or the other because, remember, the butterfly effect of that can have huge ramifications on your life. Secondly, truth will help you overcome temptation. 
Truth will help you overcome temptation. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Psalm 119.11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then we see in Jesus' life when, when he goes into the desert and he's tempted by the devil. Forty days, we see this temptation. How does Jesus respond to the temptation? He says, It is written. What if there was an army of men and women that when the enemy throws things in our face, like everybody else is sleeping around, everybody else is getting high, everybody else is getting drunk, everybody else is cheating, everybody else is stealing, everybody else, whatever that is, that we're anchored in the word of God. It's in our heart that we can say, it is written. This is, this is not something that I just make up, but this is the word of the Lord. What would happen, friends, if everyone in this room took the word of God seriously? What if we, what if we read it and hid it in our heart? Let me tell you what's going to happen. Over time, the current will change. Friends, instead of drifting people away from God, It'll start taking people towards the Lord. Come on, you got to get excited about that reality, that one day, why not in your season, if you're a freshman, why not by your senior year, we start seeing the current of the culture change because you are grounded in truth and nobody's going to move you out of that truth. No professor, which if you haven't found out by now, there are people that have an agenda. No hallmate, no roommate, no teammate, will cause me to take a step backwards, but I will be founded and anchored in the word of the Lord. Amen, come on. Will you eat often? The second key to being strong and courageous, I want you to look at verse 18. Look at this. This is the Israelites. Then they answered, verse 16, then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And whatever you, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and, and does not obey it, whoever may command them, we will put to death. Joshua, only be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know about you. But when I read that, I'm like, I, want, I wish I could see Joshua's face in the moment, right? Because these are the very words that God was encouraging him with. This is, this is, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. You need to be strong and courageous. You need to be strong and courageous. Then these guys are like, man, if, if God is with you as he was with Moses, listen, I just want you to know, only be strong and courageous. If he didn't do like the whole double take, like, what did you say? How did you know that? How did that happen? Only be strong and courageous. I find it interesting. I wonder if Joshua began to tear up because he knew that he knew that God was with him in that moment because the people said the same thing. Have you ever had a moment like that where a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord spoke the very thing that you were talking to the Lord about as confirmation? Let me tell you something. He's about to lead people into the promised land, the land that Moses wasn't allowed to go into. Come on. There's got to be a little bit of, can I do this moment? You know what I'm saying? God's with me. Yes. But as I go into this, and then he has this moment where they say the same thing that God, he's probably like, whoa, God is real. 
I think it's interesting. We've got to understand that if you want to be strong and courageous, you need to eat often. You need to be men and women of the word. But the other thing you will need in this season of your life to finish the race, to go well, is fellowship. The idea of a loner Christian is not in the Bible. Okay? And you will meet people on this campus, right, that they're like, man, I, I like God, but I want nothing to do with his people. That's not biblical. Ecclesiastes says, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Their strength together. But more than that, how about the fact that before sin entered the world, God had created man to walk with him. And he looks down at Adam and he goes, it's not good for man to be alone. And actually they would say, scholars would say that a better rendering of that would be, it's not good for man to be the only one of his kind. And so it's not just about marriage, although marriage is a glorious thing. It's about community. Look around this room. There are, there are people that we have the opportunity to do life with, that have the opportunity to speak into your life the moment you need it. When, when that, that pull of the current is strong and you're trying to stay anchored in the truth and then you have a, a friend, a sister, a brother that comes along and kind of gives you a little like wake-up call on the back of the head, come on, you don't need to go there. Or when we do fall, there's a hand lifted up. Hey, come on, get up. Get out of that place. We need fellowship. We need each other. The truth of the matter is the other thing that we, why we need each other is because you are different than I am. And, and that as God, we are made in the image of God. And so there's a way that you bear the image of God. And as that's being restored in your life, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, there's a way that you reflect his image that I don't reflect his image. And I want to know God. And so I want to know him through your life. I want to know God. I want to know him deeply. You know, when I was in high school, when I made that decision that I wanted to play in, in college, I had two best friends. And we were, we were the kind of guys that, man, we went out after school every day. We played every day. In the summer, we played two, three times a day. I mean, we, just, we were just going after it. But we made a decision together. And that decision was, let's not ruin our chances at, at college ball for a little alcohol some drugs or girls. That's, 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 we, I'll never forget sitting down and having this conversation. In fact, we were so radical in that moment, in that pursuit. We said, we won't even touch soda. <laughs> no lie, I didn't drink soda. But it wasn't, again, it was as we made this pact together and as we lived this out together, we were able. I remember having moments where I literally drove to another town to get one of my buddies out of a place where he was starting to feel weak. You know what I'm saying? And this was for soccer. Gosh. <laughs> what would happen if we lived that way for the Lord? I'm not going to let you live a stupid life. Don't go there. This is what friendship, this is what brotherhood looks, this is what sisterhood looks like. Like we don't let people make stupid decisions because they will know our love. We, they will know who we are as disciples by our love for one another, the way we love each other. We're not loving people if we let them do stupid things. How is your love being seen? We need to do this together. You know, it's really interesting that all three of us went on to play college soccer. 
The other thing that's really interesting that as all three of us went on to play college soccer and we were separate, we went, went all to different colleges, we fell hard. The current, of, the current of the culture that could not sweep us away when we were together swept us away the moment we were apart. And if you would ask my friend Ozzy and my other friend Anthony, when they went off to college, <laughs> I'm so confused right now. I try to be funny and you don't laugh. I'm not even trying to be funny and you laugh. We'll get there one day. You'll ask them. It happened the moment they made a decision for the sake of fitting in. We all did. And they would all agree with you even today, even though the two of them aren't believers. It was a decision that they regret, not because they now love God. I'm the only one that loves Jesus out of those two. But they too regret the decision that they made because it took them places they never wanted to go. It held them longer than they wanted to stay, and it's cost them more than they didn't want to pay. But the good news is that Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you can be set free out of that place. Listen, you need fellowship. The greater the challenge, the greater the need for fellowship. I heard it said once, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go with someone else. Listen, you want to go far in life. I would, I would argue that every one of you wants to go far in life. This is why you need to join a life group. Will you make fellowship a priority? Fellowship is the key to being strong. <clears throat> when you connect with God regularly and you have fellowship, you will be able to stand against everything that comes at you because Christ of all is with you you're anchored in his word, and you have friends, brothers, and sisters that will stand with you through it all. Friends, this is what you were created for. This is why Chi Alpha is here. Can I ask you a question? In this season of the crossroads of your life, will you make reading the word of God a priority? Will you make reading the word of God a priority? Will you get in the word day? Will you meditate it on it day and night? Will you make it a priority? Will you make fellowship a priority? Listen, if we did this together, if we did this together, I, I believe with all my heart that, that Virginia Tech is too small a thing for my God, that my God is bigger than that, and he desires all these people to come to know him. I believe that we can be used of and by God to change the culture of Virginia Tech. I believe, what if Virginia Tech became the place known in this nation as the place that people encounter God? Come on. Why not with you? Why not with us? And so I encourage you tonight, would you join a life group that as we sing and we worship one more time together, that when you walk out these doors, that you would make it a priority to get in a life group that study the word together, to encourage you in the word together to do life together. Be strong and courageous, and you will see God at work in and through your life, as Joshua did. Listen, there's really only a few options you can go when you stand at the crossroads. One of them is to live as an ambassador for Christ, to be bold about your faith, to be vocal about your faith, to serve as though everyone is watching. The other option if you really want to follow God, as some, some people try to follow God undercover. 
But in my journey, in my, in my time as, as a campus pastor, as I've been here, what I've noticed over the years is those that choose to live undercover typically wind up becoming drifters. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel. Let us not be ashamed. Let us be ambassadors for Christ. It's actually what Chi Alpha means, if you're wondering. So let me just share this with you. Be strong and courageous. Chi Alpha, be strong and very courageous. Chi Alpha, be strong and courageous. May you know that this God that calls us is with us. And that changes everything. You don't live this life for God. You get to live this life with God. And that changes everything. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much. Help us to love you more. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.